this special episode of 42 to Doomsday. I'm Rob. And I'm Mark. Recently, Mark and I sat down and interviewed Australian writer Dave Hoskin. For some time, Dave has been researching and writing a forthcoming book from Obverse Books about the Omni Rumour, that maddening, all-encompassing set of rumours about a massive find of missing episodes of Doctor Who. We quizzed Dave on the progress of his research, the approach he has taken with the book, and bowled up a few curly questions about some of the trickier aspects of the Omni Rumour. Dave also discusses the impact of the Omni Rumour on fandom in the internet age. While we appreciate the keen interest the Omni Rumour has generated for almost three years, Understandably, as Dave discusses in the interview, most of his sources must remain anonymous. Dave has been kind enough to provide us with a copy of the cover and the prospective blurb, which we will be posting up on our blog. A quick programming note. We interviewed Dave at his home, so you will hear in the background the other members of the household go about their normal day while we three delve deep into the innermost recesses of the Omnirema. And finally, stay tuned for the end of the podcast where we serve up a rare clip of that lover of goldfish, Professor Zaroff. So, without further ado, here's the interview. Mark and I are here today with Dave Hoskin, who's writing a book about the Omni Rumor. Uh, Dave, thank you very much for having you, uh, having us with you. Thanks, guys. Um, so, what started or what sparked your interest in writing the book in the first place? Ah, uh, well, what sparked it was look, I'd heard that the, uh, I'd heard that there was a like there'd been rumours about a mother load for a long time, and that was obviously you know hugely exciting, but. Then the sort of rumours appeared to go away for a little while. Like it's like the tide went out. Like I'd heard Zambia, and you know that they might have found pretty much everything. And then, the, like like I said, the rumours seemed to go away, and I was like, oh well, I guess it's like a lot of these things. You know, like the the burger van that had the moon base or whatever. You know, you figure somebody must have been, you know, talking shit about it. And then uh, Doctor Who Online was tweeting, oh, exciting news coming up for uh, fans of classic Who. Uh, watch here for details or whatever it was that they said and I'm there going there's really only so many things that that could be that was early in 2013 wasn't it yeah yeah that was and I was thinking it's got to be missing episodes it has to be so I uh, rang up a mate of mine who's usually very well connected I said tell me what's going on you bastard (laughs) Um, and he after a bit of arm twisting told me yep okay this is what's going on and he says look this has been going on for a long time you remember that Zambia thing this is this is the follow-on to that and after that like that's when I just started digging myself I mean we were talking just before we came on the air you were saying that you know you you were unemployed for a little while you're just hitting f5 on planet Mondas just repeatedly I mean I think I started out it was on Outpost Scaro I think Mm. um Eddie from Outpost Scarrow was um, leaking stuff for a, for a while there. Uh, and I know I'm on a mailing list as well. And like, you know, every now and again, one of them would be talking vaguely about motherload rumours. And I'm like, well, I've kind of heard about that. And after a while, it became a little bit like the man who was Thursday, where, you know, one of us would email the other one and go, look, uh, don't tell the others, but uh, I've heard this and I've heard, you know, 44 and I've actually heard 90 and then you know and you'd sort of you'd laugh when you'd both realize that you'd heard pretty much the same thing and the interesting thing was the consistency of the rumors as well like there was two or three different versions of the story but they were either the 19 rumor you know which we sort of figure now was enemy web Marco Mm. uh, the 44 rumors uh, or the 90 rumors and then you know 
gradually the rest of the narrative all started to fill in like you know hearing that it was philip morris that had found them that he'd been to africa that he'd been kidnapped and i was talking to uh my friend Stuart Douglas, who I've still never met in the flesh, Doctor Who fandom being what it is on the internet. And I was saying, this is an astonishing story. I mean, if it's true that he's been kidnapped from Nigeria and then he goes back to the UK and he's had supposedly post-traumatic stress disorder and, you know, they say, well, if you want to find Doctor Who episodes, guess what? The one place they're most likely to be is in, ha-ha, Nigeria. So you're going to have to go back there. I mean, look, I studied film i just did my masters in screenwriting i mean that's just a great hook for a story it's the place where you have to go back to face your fear Mm. and i was just thinking i was just talking to Stu about it because you know he's published a few of my short stories and i was just saying this is just such a great story Stu. this is this is terrific i mean just i mean the idea that anybody i mean all every now and again you know fanboys would be there going oh look wouldn't it be great if somebody would go over there and do a boots on the ground search Mm. And everybody would sort of go, well, obviously no one's ever going to do that because that's mad. No one would spend the money. No one would, you know, literally risk their lives to go to places like Nigeria where people like Boko Haram are kidnapping schoolgirls who are, you know, massacring Christians who would, you know, it's not a good place for a, a white person to go. All of those factors, I was just sort of rolling them around in my head and Stu was like, and, you know, I was talking to various people and private messaging people, just trying to get, you know, a bit more gossip because it just became a bit like cheesels or something like that. Like, once you get a little bit, you're like, I just want to find out a little bit more. I just want to find out a little bit more. And, you know, so I was private messaging people and just trying to find out a little... Like, you know, eventually people start popping up on the various message boards who seem to know more than, you know, the common or garden fan. And so you're there going, so what do you know? Uh, And some of them would tell you and some of them wouldn't. Uh, and after a while, Stu said, look, you seem to know everybody. I'm like, I don't. <laughs> I've just, you know, I've just private messaged a couple of people. He's like, yeah, but you seem to know everybody. Um, you should you should write a book about this. And like everybody had been talking about, oh, you know, this will make a great book one day. And I was sort of thinking like, I do, I can see this narrative, this sort of, look, hero narrative. I know people will sort of make fun of that. Like, and people have made fun of this whole Indiana Jones idea. Mm. But... I do think we forget that it is remarkable that somebody did actually go to Africa spending their own money to a place where they were kidnapped, which would be a horrific thing. I, I did actually go back and read the original news reports mm. of what happened uh, to Phil Morris, and it is a remarkable thing that he's done. Mm. Uh, and more to the point, the fact that he actually found something. I mean, it would be remarkable that he did it. It's even more remarkable that he actually found something. Uh so it was all of those things but then the other thing that happened was i was talking to a mate of mine named uh, ian mond and we were just sort of watching the way the news was impacting upon fandom like some people were going this is great news like it, it was a little bit like religion you know as soon as you hear about it you want to tell your mates about it. Mm, yeah, <laughs> Mate, I've heard the good news. Guess what's coming? Yeah. And some people are like, I don't want to hear your good news. Piss off. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, there's no proof to it. And it's like, no, no, I heard it from the Apostle Scott Ferry or I heard it from the Apostle Eddie McGigan or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, eventually some proof comes out, you know. Um, but just watching people, like, literally fighting about this. Mm. Uh 
and in some cases being driven mad by it, uh, in some yeah. cases just getting really super aggressive about it, uh, sending like death threats uh, on people's Facebook pages, uh, tweets, all that sort of stuff. And I found that it's quite funny because what we're arguing about is old television. Like my brother could not give a shit about Doctor Who. He would find this all to be the most pointless thing in the entire world. And I totally get that. But I'm also there going, look, the thing is, these episodes are also, like, they're worthless to somebody like him, but they are literally priceless because they're the only copies of them in existence. Like, when you find them, it's like the Mona Lisa, like, there's only one copy. So, just the way that kind of, just thinking about those sort of, you know, those wankery notions of, you know, what constitutes art, it's in the eye of the beholder, the way all of these things have affected people online, the way the internet has just changed the way we we talk about these things. I mean, I see you've got a question there later, like, you know, how how do fans, has that altered the way we talk about this kind of news? Yes, it has, and the internet's a big part of that. All of that's just sort of fed into the book I'm writing. So my mate sort of I mean, you can tell I talk a lot. He's (laughs) boiled it down into one sentence. He's like, yeah, it's the story of Phil Morris and his impact on a subculture. And I was like, yeah, that's it. How did you go about researching the book? Like I said, initially just private messaging people. Mm. And then you sort of take your springboard from that. I mean, I'm a journalist and a lot of journalism is, you know, it's not rocket science. You just, you ring people up and you go, hi, I'm doing an article on X. Would you be willing to speak to me? And they'll either say yes or they'll say no. And you have to be aware that sometimes people say yes for their own reasons and that they'll have their own spin for, you know, wanting to do that. You have to be aware of that when you're writing up what they're saying. Um, And some people say yes just out of the goodness of their hearts. Uh, And some people will say no for good reasons as well. Mm. Uh, And sometimes people will say no uh, because they've got their own good reasons and you can read a lot into that. I mean, there are people who have said no to me and I know exactly why they're saying no and that actually speaks volumes Yeah. Uh, as far as I'm concerned. In ter- I mean, look, there's other stuff you can do. I mean, the whole sort of angle about Thai, the company that uh, Phil appears to have based his uh, based tier on, you can mm. do an enormous amount of research on that just by going to the library and, you know, pulling out books uh, based on uh, David Sterling. Is that his name? Anyway, Mm. you can tell I've done a lot of research on him. (laughs) Uh, You know, you can do stuff on that. Uh, You know, I've been reading up on... I mean, I was just reading up on how they originally wiped the old videotapes and I ended up talking to an old BBC engineer uh, and I was emailing him back and forth and I was just saying, so what did you actually do back in the day? Like, I went all the way through Wiped by Richard Molesworth Mm. and I found it slightly ironic that... Uh, he never really talks about how they actually did it. Um, so I went and talked to a bloke who, you know, one of the things he did in his day-to-day job was actually taking the videotapes from the library, taking it down there, and, you know, they would spend literally, you know, they would have to spend however long the tape was, like it was 90 minutes, they had to sit there and watch 90 minutes of videotape being erased. Um, and I managed to... Like, the thing was, he was telling me about it, um, and I was sitting there thinking, but that's not right. That's not how everybody says the videotapes are wiped. And he's like, well, no, that's how he did it. I mean, I was there. And I was like, have I just discovered a new fact? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hooray! 
so I mean that was that was nice so I mean and that that's the sort of thing you know when you go back to the primary sources and when you actually hear somebody saying no no this is this is what happened and when you they go I think I've discovered something new but that's sort of you feel like you're out on a bit of a limb because uh, nobody else is going to back you up you can't actually cite it from somebody else mm. um, you're there going okay well good uh, new fact hurrah <laughs> Uh, so, you know, just that's the thing. You, you ask people, you do it politely, uh, you follow up, you try and be sceptical as far as you can. Mm. Um, but it's a little bit tricky with this one because we're slightly through the looking glass as to what you take seriously because when you're dealing... <sighs> when Tomb of the Cybermen came out, that seemed amazing. Four episodes. Mm. Now we're, and that sort of came back from Hong Kong because they was, oh, look, we seem to have found this down the back of the filing cabinet. Now we're dealing with somebody who actually went to Africa under his own steam, with his own money, and apparently found 90. Like, that's the sort of, that's the claim that we're being asked to take seriously and investigate. So uh, when all of these other extraordinary claims are coming alongside it, and people are going, well, that's clearly nonsense... Yeah, they're going, well, we're already dealing with a pretty, on the face of it, nonsensical claim to begin with. So you try and take them as seriously as possible. Like people are there going, well, you know, there was clearly not a screening of Power of the Daleks at the BFI. That clearly didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And you're there going, well, yeah, but did it? And so you try and establish as best you can. You go, all right, well, how would I establish if that actually happened? Mm. And so you have a bit of a think about it and you go, all right, well, I could try and ask X, Y, and Z and see whether they will actually tell me whether that happened or not on or off the record. So there you go. And we might as well get this out of the way. Um, in terms of people that you have spoken to, obviously the bigger players have been the Paul Venezes and the Phil Morrises and the Steve Robertses. Um, have you had a chance to speak with them or is it a case that you're still uh, deep into the weeds of, of the research? I'm still deep into the weeds of the research, so I probably shouldn't comment on whether I've spoken to them or not. And something I should probably say at this point in the podcast, uh, one of the rules about journalism is that you're not really supposed to reveal your sources. So I probably... And look, there are people on the internet who are going to go, what a load of shit. Um, yeah. You're just being a cock tease. Um, stiff shit fanboy. Um, that's... That's just good journalistic practice. There are some, there's a lot of stuff that people have told me in confidence, uh, and I take that very seriously. Um, I know for a fact that people have uh, lost friendships and have lost jobs throughout this, which is ridiculous because it's, you know, we are just talking about old telly. Mm. But what we're also talking about is uh, uh, a commercial concern. So when people are signing documents saying, I will not talk about this because, you know, there's a release date and, you know, as part of the BBC's, uh, you know, they've got a a financial plan and they're saying, okay, we're going to release this and we want to have, you know, the maximum amount of publicity for this. I mean, Dan Hall's talked about this on podcasts, you know, that they want to maximise their publicity rather than it just sort of dribbling out onto the internet with a tweet on, you know, an act, uh, you know, an actor's Twitter account, or you know, it's sort of popping up on, you know, somebody's website. They want to get the most amount of bang for their buck. Um, so that's why they, that's why they sort of put people under non-disclosure agreements. Now, 
I don't know whether that used to be enforced as rigidly as it used to. For whatever reason, I think it is being much more rigidly enforced now. That seems to be the impression that I'm getting, which means that jobs can be lost. And particularly in the current economic climate, uh, like some people have sort of said sneeringly, like there's this weird dichotomy like, I want to hear the gossip, I want to hear the gossip. But, you know, if they leak, well, tough shit for them, they should just lose their job. And I'm there going, well, you can't really have it both ways. So if you want to hear the gossip, you can't really get the raw material of, well, okay, Russell T Davies told me that, you know, Fury from the Deep was found in Ghana on this date because, you know, that's just not how it's going to work um, for exactly those reasons. So I hope that makes some sense. Uh, there is some stuff that I can talk about because I've already, you know, the people have given me permission to talk about it. And also, to be honest, I haven't finished the book, so I don't know whether these people are going to end up in the final edit. Mm. And also, I don't know which of their words I'm going to be using uh, and how I'm going to be presenting that. So it wouldn't be fair on them or me, frankly, to talk about that yet. So sorry to sound a little bit defensive. No, no, no but sorry. we're glad that you've actually addressed that as strongly as you have because mm. people will say... Why didn't Mark and I ask you the question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As you've as you've as you've just said, um, yeah. there are very good and proper reasons for, and as you say, good journalistic practice. You keep your sources mm. quiet, and that's fair enough. As you've gone through your research, you're talking about narrative. There, have you gained the sense in some instances that people are spinning a particular narrative for whatever purposes? And yeah. How hard has it been to disentangle that from what you have learned otherwise? Ah, oh, pretty difficult. Uh, some people are more transparent than others. I mean, Ian Levine, bless him, <laughs> is uh, fairly transparent. Uh, Ian wants the episodes out now, um, and that's pretty much his whole narrative. <laughs> um, and his narrative does tend to change a little bit with the wind. He's there going... Like, it was quite clear, say, for instance when he was there going, you know, oh, I've known for four years. But, you know, when he was sort of tweeting about it, he was also sort of going, oh, look, I don't think there are any. And I was, and then he's like, oh, hang on, I was lied to. I was lied to. They barefaced lied to me. Now I believe there were episodes. And you're like, well, hang on. You were just saying like two days ago that you didn't know anything at all. So there are things like that that are, you know, they're on the record. Um, there are other people who are leaking information. I mean, that's they've admitted to you know peddling false misinformation online and like there's other stuff that people uh put out there in good faith i would be staggered if when this all finally shakes out please god let it be soon um i would be staggered if uh you know 70 percent of this all turns out to be true um but i'm also aware that you know some of the stuff that we've heard about is um you know, it was planned at one time. And, you know, it's a little bit like, I don't know if I say, oh, I hear Rob's planning to leave his wife. And, you know, you could have been very upset with your wife and you were thinking, yep, bugger it, I'm going to leave her. And then for whatever reason, you know, you think, no, no, we can carry on. And, but if I've told Mark that, mm. at that time, mm. that was true. Yeah. Uh, and, you know pretty wrongly of both of us we both went on the forums and said well this is what's going on guys yeah, yeah. Um, but then you come on and go well that's all a load of nonsense and mm. I'm not leaving my wife but all of that sort of thing you know people will then use as a sort of stick to beat the various rumour mongers and say well that clearly didn't happen and you know clearly you're full of shit um, 
but that's that's just something to bear in mind as well. So, um, you know, plans can change for all kinds of reasons. You need to bear that in mind. And when you're reporting that, you need to, you know, you need to ask people and say, so was this ever a thing that was going to happen? And sometimes I'm aware that things have been Chinese whispered. And that's the other thing that I think is, um, that often gets lost in this, that, you know, people go, well, logically, this would be what would be going on. I'm like, yeah, but human beings aren't Vulcans. You know, (laughs) they often act in, you know, incredibly irrational ways, petty ways, um, or, you know, um, like I have heard that some people are just behaving in a particular way just to, you know, just to fuck with people, you know, which is petty, but that's just how people can be. Um, and it's unfortunate, but again, that's just how people can be. And, you know, you bear that in mind. Um, when you're dealing with them. Missing episodes is a very emotional subject, though, for, what? for a certain number of people. What? You think? No, no. No? No. Surprising. Surprising. No. So what do you think gives them the right to act like that? Look, I know why they do it. It's sort of our... not know our unhealed wound, really. Mm. You know, because we... You know, we want to see them. I understand that. You know, just... Um, I remember just seeing some of those bits of, um, you know, just underwater menace, a story that nobody was particularly gagging to see, mm. and just seeing Patrick Troughton's um, conversation with Joseph First and just realising that, you know, Joseph First is talking to the fish when he's saying, you know, can't you see I'm talking to my friend here? Uh, <laughs> you know, you just you suddenly get a massive insight into that whole scene that you didn't have just from listening to the, um, just listening to the audio mm. tapes. You know, it's... Uh, Sorry to get religious again. It's like a, it's like a revelation, you know. Mm. Um, so getting these episodes back, it is important. Mm. Um, and while I think it's distasteful to do it, it's um, you know when people are saying you know a lot of the people are dying and you know Radi Ra and Christopher Barry you never got to see Power of the Daleks again. Part of me can sort of see the emotional thing of you know it would be nice for them to see their work again. Mm. Um, However, I don't think the idea of getting outraged on their behalf is particularly useful. I mean, I think if anyone should be outraged, it should be them. We shouldn't be doing it for them. Mm. Um, why they do it... Yeah, I mean, you know, like I say, I can... I don't know that I've ever got super outraged about it. I don't really think they... Look, if I... <laughs> I don't think anybody really has... It's all about behaviour as far as I'm concerned. I think if um, somebody was... If somebody was literally coming over to my house every day and banging on the door and going, where are the missing episodes, you prick? Um, I would call the police uh, because they're harassing me. Uh, Or if they were coming over and going, "Uh, you believe there are missing episodes, you're a dickhead. Uh, I would call the police or I'd, I'd go out and punch them on the nose because I think they're just they're behaving like pricks uh, and it's not obviously you know it's a two way street you know there are people who are going out there who are deliberately you know there are fights on both sides mm. um, and <laughs> like I do find it funny there are some people going oh you know Scott Ferry people say he's a nice guy but you know who cares if he's a nice guy I'm like well I do mm. you know uh, Scott is a nice guy. Um, that should count for a lot. And there are a lot of people who are there going, yeah, well, he doesn't do this and he doesn't do that. And I'm like, yeah, but he's always managed to get through 
pretty much every day uh, of copying an enormous amount of shit from everybody online uh, without responding in kind. And I think that's something that everybody should learn from, really. And God knows I've, I've lost my rag online way too many times. Mm. Um, and I'm not proud of that. But uh, what I am proud of is usually I've done it when I thought that, you know, somebody's being bullied. Uh, somebody's being picked on. Uh, it's sort of, they talk about this in, uh, in psychology. It's called de-individuation. It's where you can, you can be rude to another person. You can feel it's okay to destroy another person to tear them down um, because you're terribly excited about missing episodes or you're just bored. And, you know, when you're on a forum where, you know, everybody sort of tends to think the same, you'll probably just sort of go with the flow. Mm. Nobody really wants to be the one who sort of, you know, you feel like a bit of a nag to sort of stick your head up, you know, against the flow and sort of going, can we not sort of pick on the disabled guy? Or, uh, you know, if somebody's really having a bad time of it and like uh, there was a guy who uh, literally had what appeared to be some kind of psychotic break and went quite off the deep end and he said some terrible things and I'm not mm. going to say his name on here like most people who will follow this will know who he was mm. and I know some people at the time thought he was drunk or thought he was trolling or what have you but I was just sort of looking at it I'm going I don't think that's what it is and I think everybody needs to basically take a step back and just just leave him alone and whatever you do stop poking him with sticks uh and i realized that you know when somebody's hurling abuse at you that's sometimes not the easiest thing but you know it's literally again it's like you know if you were down the street and a dude suddenly just came up to you and just started you know raving in your face uh you would you know the way you would react is differently but when it's on the internet people's reactions are different so that was, that's just one of the other things that I've noticed throughout this saga. I don't know what it is about the Omnirum. Like I said, you know, it seems to drive people mad. In some ways, it's brought out a lot of the worst things in fandom. It's, there's some great things that it has brought out. Uh, and I'll be writing about that in the book as well. But some of the ways uh, people have been talking about other people, uh, you know, there's another guy. They're like, um, yeah, Scott Ferry. Uh, He's a Mormon, isn't he? Yeah, he'll believe any old shit then, won't he? And I'm just there going... <laughs> uh, okay. So, let's just replace the word Mormon with Jew or, you know, or anything, really. Yeah. You wouldn't get away with that, would you? Mm. Um, I mean, I'm surprised that you're getting away with it now. So, that's the kind of stuff that I'm just there. You just sort of step away from your computer and you just you feel like you want to have a wash. So that's the kind of stuff that you're just there going, look, I understand that people get excited about this and get uh, emotional about this. You know, it's that sort of thing like if I'm down at the pub and, you know, I get a skinful and, you know, somebody insults my wife and I punch him in the mouth, uh, you know, I'll have some kind of, you know, I'll have some sort of recourse in court to say, look, I was incited. But in order to insult somebody on the internet, I've got to press reply. I've then got to come up with my reply and type it. And then I've got to hit send. You know, there's a certain... There's a certain... Processing. Yeah, there's a yeah. cold process that you've got to go through. Mm. Uh, and then you've got to actually leave it there. You know, I mean, you can reconsider it later on and go, I'm just going to I'm just gonna take that down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Um, but, you know, it's just this... Um, I mean... A lot of people sort of talk about the, the Stalinist editing on Gallifrey Base, and sometimes, you know, they can go a bit far, but sometimes you know, they go, 
well, maybe they didn't need that. Maybe, you know, maybe sometimes you just don't need to quite be in the cesspit. I mean, look, I, I think one of the great things about Planet Mondas is the fact that you can talk about anything. Uh, and one of the great things about free speech is that uh, you can talk about anything. And the unfortunate thing about free speech is that you sometimes have to fight for the right, uh, for saying things that you don't like. But sometimes it's a bloody hard fight. <laughs> and uh, and just on that point, in terms of fan reactions, we've heard stories of you know, or pleas really for fans to to leave Phil, Phil alone, don't get involved, don't hinder the process. Yeah. Um, to the extent that you can say anything, are there any examples of that sort of thing? Is, is it a, is it a fans hindering that... the process? Look, I've. I mean, we all know about his announcement on the Tia, the Tia website. Where yeah, it yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was just capital letters at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, my understanding was that that was in reaction to... The bleeding cool thing, mm. I think. Look, I, I've i talked to the outpost Scarrow boys, like um, Derek Dunnington, who is one of the nicest men in fandom. He said, like, and they were often talking to their sources, and they were saying, look, if there's anything we're talking about that could cause a problem, just tell us and we'll stop. And they're always told, it's fine. What what you're doing is fine. Um, I think the only thing that they were worried about that could cause a problem is people phoning uh, overseas archives, which I believe has happened, mm. which is bloody stupid and shouldn't be done. I'm not sure what happened with the Bleeding Cool thing, to be honest. I have spoken to uh, Rich Johnston, and he will be in the book, so I don't have a problem saying that I have spoken to him. Um, and I don't know specifically what it was that caused the problem. I know Phil has said that, you know, he was he was put out there and that he was exposed and that, you know, he might have been in a foreign country and blah de blah blah I've not talked to him about that. I don't know the specifics on that. It sounds like a plausible enough reason to me. Uh, I have heard of cases of people who, like of, of rebels in foreign countries, who have literally pulled people's uh, itineraries off their Facebook page. And so, you know, you can be travelling through a particular part of, of Nigeria, say, and they, you know, the rebels are just waiting by the side of the road going, I know you're going to be coming through here, white man, uh, and I know that I can get a ransom for you. Therefore, you know, and they get caught. So it's not the realm of fantasy. Like it's it's just so easy to be sitting in the UK or America or Australia and just go, ah, oh, what is everyone complaining about? It's all going to be fine. Uh, it's another thing when you're actually travelling in these countries, and you know, when you're a ginger like Phil, and you know, you're the whitest of the white. I mean, you know, he did actually say that, you know, when he was over there, that you know, he had to hide under his truck at one stage uh, because militia were moving through the area, and you know, he had to hide under the truck while you know the people who were working for him, they were the ones who were talking to them overnight. So, you know, it's a scary enough place to work, Nigeria. I wouldn't do it, you know. And a lot of people there going, "Well, look, if I had heaps of money, I'd go over there and do it." I'm like. Would you? Would you really? <laughs> go over there and do it now. Go on. I'm sure it's not that expensive to fly to Nigeria. Off you go. Off you go. We are talking about the Omni rumor. Mm. Have you managed to trace back to where it all began? I mean, I remember hearing from a friend, <laughs> from a friend <laughs> in December 2011 or 12 that 10 or 11 episodes had been found, mm. whether that yeah. was linked to it. Is it possible to say? Is there a patient zero out there? Uh, patient zero? I don't. No, 
Look, I've tried. Uh, and part of me was sort of thinking that one part of the book would be a little bit like Outbreak, where you're sort of trying to track where the where the rumours sort of spread and where mm. they really went, you know, super viral. Um, and I'm I'm interested in that. Like one of the one of the themes of the book is how news spreads in the internet age. Like you know, we're all old Doctor Who fans. I mean, back in the day, I had to wait for Data Extract, the the Australian mm. uh, newsletter, to arrive. And I think Dallas Jones mostly got all of his news by ringing up Gary Lee in the in the UK yeah, right. and sort of having long yeah. <laughs> long phone calls and go so. Uh, Tell me how shit John Nathan Turner is. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I'll tell you for five hours how shit he is. But, you know, these days it's much more democratised and, I mean, fans are running the show now. So yeah. it's, it's, it's completely different. So it's hard to know really who Patient Zero is. I mean, you would have to say that somewhere along the line Phil really is Patient Zero. But as to where it then goes from there I I really don't know I mean Ian Levine talks about a, an email that was given to him by a, a person a DJ. a DJ mm. <laughs> yeah. but yeah. who knows I suppose well I think the thing is if you give anything to Ian Levine God bless him uh, it will uh, it will get broadcasted very loudly sooner or later but I mean the thing is there are so many iterations of that email as well, and there do appear to be things on that email that have been put on there to sort of push a particular agenda as well. So, I mean, again, you're saying, like, you know, who's, like, what kind of spin are they putting on there? And they're going, well, there's clearly some spin being put on that one. So, I mean, I don't think that particular DJ in BBC Ipswich or whatever it was, I don't think he's patient zero by any means. Yeah, let me get back to you on that one. Fair enough. And... I just want to ask one question before we move on to the search aspect of it. There was a, a, a very private forum known as the Red Continuum Forum. <laughs> um, and yes. that was like a filter, I suppose, for, for information that it's been alleged yes. for coming out. Any yes. comments on that? Look, I don't know a lot. I was not on the Red Continuum, so I don't know. I do know a lot of the people who were. Uh, what was its purpose, do you, as you understand it? Look, as far as I understand it, it was basically a look. I mean, this is what they say, and I can understand it. Uh, they just wanted to go somewhere where they could have a conversation without somebody like, say, Hawkeye Pierce going, Yo! <laughs> trying to have a conversation where you didn't have to wade through yards and yards of dick like that. Now, it's alleged that they were uh, polishing rumors in that they were saying, I've heard this, I've heard that. Uh, let's massage the rumour so that the conflicting information doesn't conflict anymore. Uh, I And I know some people have since come out who have fallen out with them and who have said that that's the case. Uh, that may be true. I don't know. Okay. I wasn't there. Mm. Uh, bearing in mind the vast amounts of conflicting rumours that are still out there, though, mm. they didn't do much of a job if that is the case. That's my take on it. I mean, look, I was just reading something last night that was Napoleon's dictum never put down to, uh, or it's, you know, it's been corrupted into, you know, cock up rather than conspiracy. My take on most of the Omni rumour is that it's cock up rather than conspiracy. So I do think people go off into little super secret forums. I think they do it mostly because they would rather go off with a bunch of mates to have a chat rather than have to deal with people that they don't like constantly interjecting. I mean, look, 
Uh, I go on to Planet Mondas. Uh, there's a poster on there by the name of Wayne Gibbous. Uh, he's just an, an enormous pain in the ass uh, because it means you just you can't get a conversation going without uh, just the constant interruption and the constant yes. But how do we know that the Earth goes around the Sun? So that's the thing. You're just there going, look. I would like to go and have a conversation where I don't have to put up with that shit. Mm. Um, the danger, obviously, is that you, if you take those sceptical voices out, that you can start, you know, everybody will start sort of having a, a case of groupthink. Yeah. Mm. Um, but, you know, that's I guess that's their own lookout, really. Have there been any rumours you've been able to debunk yeah. completely out of your research? Yep. Do you like to talk about it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you don't want it, it's fine. I'm just trying to think what they are. Well, let's go through the list. Dalek Master Plan 11 and 12. Stuck together? Stuck together. Don't know about that one. Um, well, the screening of Power of the Daleks? That one happened. As far as I'm concerned, yeah, that happened. Power of the yeah. Yep. Uh, lists of episodes being... Uh, and actually details of countries where they've been recovered from. Have you seen those? Uh, look, I don't... No. Look to go through that entire like the one that Steve Roberts ripped up. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that piece of theatre there, Steve. Yeah, yeah. that was um, that was good. I like yeah, that. Look, tearing up that whole list, you're just there going, look, it it was such a detailed list that look he could with great justification rip it all up and say that you know there's probably a like I said, if seventy percent of this turns out to be true, I'll be staggered. And so he could easily rip up that list and say, look. A lot of that was crap and be totally within his rights. So, good on him. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm just trying to think, like, I like here's a for instance. I remember that article that The Mirror uh, was running right. saying uh, 105 episodes of Doctor Who have been found in Ethiopia mm. uh, and it was written by somebody named Helena Watts who appears to be pretty much a gossip journalist and... Uh, she cited somebody named Stuart Kelly, who's a Doctor Who expert, who I've never heard of. Mm. Um, and I have tried repeatedly to get Helena Watts or The Mirror to talk to me about uh, where that story came from. Mm. And no answer is the stern reply. They don't want to talk about it at all. Um, and I and like a couple of other news outlets also ran with the story. Mm. And I managed to get through to one of them. I can't remember which paper it was. Now you'll have to forgive me. Um, it'll be in the book. And I got into the journal concern. I said, so this story that you ran, um, can I just ask where that was sourced or, or, or anything about that? And she said, look, to be honest, uh, we just were running the Mirrors story and we were repackaging it. And I'm like... So you had no facts, you had no sources, you had nothing. You've just basically cut down their article and put your own byline on it. And she's like, pretty much. And I'm like, I mean, I didn't say this to her, but I was thinking, that's a pretty sad example. Of, yeah. That, <laughs> lazy, of journalism, lazy journalism, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, you know, it wasn't like she was reporting on Watergate or anything like no. that. But I'm like, that is shithouse. Yeah. Um... I mean, come on. Uh, I mean, look, I it would be lovely if that original Mirror article was right, and look, I wouldn't be utterly surprised if Doctor Who episodes don't come back from Ethiopia, mm. say. Uh, Stuart Kelly uh, does appear to know a bit about science fiction. Look, I guess I could consider myself a Doctor Who expert. I know a lot about Doctor Who. Uh, 
describing him as an expert seems to be a bit of a long bow. I mean, I would have said someone like Andrew Pixley or Stephen James Walker or mm. somebody like that, but it, it sounds like the sort of thing a journo would have said to him. So, could you call yourself a Doctor Who expert if I want to refer to you as that, as opposed to, I don't know, literary editor of the you know Scottish Sunday Times, I think is what he actually is. Um, but for the purposes of the article, they've sort of gone... Yeah, come on, Doctor Who expert, because we're talking about Doctor Who, you know. If I call you a literary editor, people will be like, well, why do we give a shit what he thinks? Mm. So it just, that's the sort of thing that when you dig into it, you're just there going, doesn't seem to be a lot of facts here that we can really get our arms around. Mm. So, you know, things like that. Mm. Um, Or there was another, like, I can't say which particular rumour it is, but, like, uh, one of the actors involved was reported to have you know heard about one of their stories coming back and I knew somebody who knew the actor and I said can you just check this out for me and see what they say and word came back from the actor going no never happened so and like the interesting thing is like I've talked to the fan who reported online and you know they swear up and down that it happened so I've got a case of he said he said she said Mm. Uh, and you're there going well look to be honest I'm probably going to believe the actor but, you know, the actor could have signed an NDA in the meantime. So you pay your money and you take your choice, I suppose. So this uh, section of the podcast will talk about the search. Um, let's start from a, an Australian perspective. What's your research uh, dug up in terms of uh, the Australian part of the Omni Room that's been floating around? Uh there's been some interesting stuff. Uh, one of the guys, his name's been bruited about quite a bit. Uh, his name's George Rainey. Mm. Uh, I managed to actually track him down. Like, I'd, I'd noticed his name kept getting mentioned, you know, that he might have missing episodes, you know, and he was this mysterious guy. And I'd heard all kinds of crazy stuff about him. And I actually managed to track him down, uh, you know, through my amazing journalistic powers. And... Uh, just started a conversation with him and I mean one of the other things that I'm really interested in about all of this I mean the, the book just starts growing the more interested you get in the subject matter and one of them was sort of you know private collectors mm. and George is a private collector and so I was just sort of talking to him about that like little subculture mm. and you know so we were just talking about that and you know how he has sort of uh, swapped stuff and where he got it from and how he managed to put his collection together and in the end you basically you have to sort of go so uh, have you got Marco Polo? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he's like no I don't and I mean the reason that I um, again that I'm willing to talk about George by name is that uh, I did publicly post this on the missing episode Facebook forum that you know I have spoken to George and I asked him if he wanted me to put this out online and he said that yes he was happy to talk about that and that no he doesn't have Marco Polo just to preempt some of the other ones I haven't I don't know anything about the archive that supposedly has stuff in Adelaide yeah uh, I don't know anything about the Dalek master plan that's supposedly in Sydney uh, in the sense of things there Phil been to Australia do you know part of his search uh look i know about as much as anybody does on the forums i i've what do i know about that i've just heard that supposedly he's been here Mm. but that's just based on you know forum gossip yeah maybe he has maybe he hasn't um in terms of researching the book uh 
have you been advised by people not to proceed or not to go down a particular path or um, um advise not to proceed or just resistance generally um oh look some people don't want to talk to me mm. uh which is fine that's their right uh, some people don't want to talk to me on the record, which is also their right, mm. uh, as I mentioned before. I mean, look, there's one guy, he's, uh, he's a good friend of mine, uh, and he was just saying, look, what you have to understand is we were, we were just so embarrassed, you know, about some of the stuff that we were passing on, and, and then it just sort of leaked everywhere, you know, you know, because they weren't expecting it to spread quite like that but he was sort of pointing out that the thing about fandom is one of the things that you have to remember about it is is that fandom is social mm. um you know it's a social thing we talk about this sort of stuff and that's one of the things about this sort of stuff is that it is good news and like that was that was one of the keys for me i was like yeah you know he's absolutely right and just that sort of that embarrassment um, you know how that could just be a major thing like not losing your job or anything like that but just like I really just shouldn't have said that should I you know I've I've betrayed my friend in a way not in a you know stabbed him in the back but just I, sh I just shouldn't have done that should I and now he's found out and you know that yeah that sort of creeping shame where yeah. you know they've found out you're like god I feel like such a prick and I'm like yeah yeah I, I get that you know, and partly I get that because uh, I've um, done it myself. And we probably all have. Like mm. most people, you know, whatever you do, don't, don't, don't tell anyone about this. But, you know, I've heard the power of Daleks is, you know. Mm. Um, so it's that sort of thing. Uh, but as to whether anybody's sort of, you know, actively tried to warn me off, you know, don't go to Area 51... I can't specifically remember anyone telling me anything like that. I mean, look, we're, we're only talking about old telly here. Um, not really, no. Fair enough. Just going back to the search, there was talk that um, Winfield began his search way back in, I think, 2007-8. There was a period of time where he didn't have any success, mm -hmm. and then there was some paperwork found with relation to TIE, Mm -hmm. that helped a great deal, that they were involved in the distribution of, of episodes. Um, do you think that that new research that came became available then helped with the find of Enemy and Web? I don't know, is the short answer. Mm -hmm. There's a longer answer, but I'll have to look at a whole bunch of emails uh, and theorising. And I mean, look, I've got a mate in England who's been doing a lot of research, uh, partly on my behalf and partly just on his own behalf. I mean, this is one of the this is one of the positive things is that uh, you know Phil Morris's impact upon a subculture. It's turned a lot of us into detectives. Like you know, these this guy, you know, he has turned into this massive research nerd and is just trying to figure out exactly where all of this sort of stuff. And you know, he's been mocked about it online. Mm. But I'm just there going, I actually think it's great that you've um, you know you're trying to put together this you know, 50, 60-year-old detective story about, you know, where Ty and, you know, Thompson Television and all that sort of stuff. Just trying to figure all this sort of stuff out just for your own interest. And also just for, you know, the interest of, you know, probably about 47 other nerds. But it just helps to put together that kind of narrative, you know, you know, keeps him off the street. But that sort of thing, I, I don't know. I mean, there's a great website, the Broadcast website, which is... Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. John yeah. Cradle's website. Yeah, it's yeah. a great resource if anyone um, is interested in having a look at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, John's a nice guy.
Any comment on Phil's appearance on the Reign of Terror commentary? Uh, I have spoken to Toby Haydock about that, yes. It just seemed interesting that uh, well, re- Phil Morris, who wasn't involved in the production, no, no. wasn't involved in the restoration, no, he wasn't. appeared on, Ra- on the Reign of Terror, and you can understand why in a sense, because you know, he appeared in the commentary for an episode that is missing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, well, I mean, that was one of the reasons why I was asking Toby about it, and I was there going, so whose idea was it to have him on there? And um, one of the reasons why Toby's a very nice man was that he said, well, to be honest, at this distance, I can't quite remember, but I'll, I'll try asking Paul and or John Kelly, who produced the DVD, and he passed my details on to them, which was, you know, something he didn't have to do. Um, he doesn't know me. And so I spoke to John Kelly about it, and he said it was it was his call. And he was the one, I mean, you know, obviously liaising with Paul. Uh, if I had to guess, I would say it would have been Paul's idea, but, you know, John would be the one who would have made the final call to say, yeah, sure, we'll get, we'll get Phil in. Um, now, it was recorded, I think, the day of the BFI uh, reveal of Galaxy 4 and Underwater Menace. Okay. So... That's the that's the sort of you know the the timeline there. I don't look. I have my theories as to when exactly when Webb was found and 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 uh, an enemy was found, but until we're definitively told, you know, I don't actually know. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this, this is this is the sort of thing. Like a lot of this sort of stuff is still opaque, and you can have your theories, but you can't definitively know. Uh, and pretending that you know and a lot of people sort of pretend that they know and you know it's nice for them mm-hmm. but I don't like to pretend that I know too much uh, I think that's dangerous so I don't I don't know why look I'm sure that they must have somebody on the DVD must have known that something was found mm. uh, and you know Phil was also on that radio documentary as well again you know, they must be yeah. sort of kind of saying, you know, keep your eye on this guy. He's probably found something, you know. And I mean, on the radio documentary, he says, watch this space. So, mm. I mean, if, you, if you're just a modest guy who hasn't really found much, I think maybe he'd found the sky at night at that stage. Yeah. Uh, you know, you probably would be a bit more modest, a bit more circumspect. Have any facts that you've uncovered contradicted the official statements regarding the recovery of the material in the end web being found in Joss? Uh, nothing I've uncovered okay. uh, contradicts that theory. I mean, look... I mean, there are people out there who say... Look, Wayne I've... Wayne de- Gibbs, for instance? Ah, uh, yeah, look... he's a clown. But- yeah, Wayne Gibbs is a... Yeah, he's a... Um... Look, I've definitely heard rumours that, you know, it wasn't found there, that somebody else found it, Rati ra I tend to bear on the side of Occam's razor on this for the... I mean, look, it's just easier. Like, you keep those theories in mind. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you just bear those in mind. If you hear something further down the line that would add credence to those, mm. then you go, okay. It's, it was a little bit like that, um, the BFI screening of Power of the Daleks. It's like, I was talking to somebody. I said, look, if somebody comes and tells me there was a murder at the end of my street, say, uh, and I didn't see it, uh, but if three witnesses come and tell me that it happened and their stories 
all basically telling the same story, you'd have to conclude that it probably happened. Um, you know, you go down there and there's nobody, but they're going, all right, well, probably there was a murder at the end of the street. And it was the same with the BFI story. Like I heard from about, uh, I think it was at least three different people that, you know, this is what happened. And, you know, certain incidents happened during the screening that, you know, you're there going, well, that's a, you know, there's a granularity to the story where you're there going, well, you know, they're not just saying, well, we all turned up at the BFI and we watched Power of the Daleks, the end. You know, they're saying, you know, X happened and Y happened and this is Y and blah de blah. So they're going, all right, well, there's more to the story than, you know, just the bald facts. So when you're hearing it from multiple witnesses and when they're all sort of backing up the various incidents and they're not connected, like the, the people who are telling you don't appear to be connected, they're going, well, it would appear that that was, that was the truth. Um, so... I guess you've just got to take them at their word. And it's the same with the, the Joss story until, you know, somebody comes forward or a whole bunch of people comes forward and say, uh, it's not actually true. Then you have to go with the accepted narrative as mm. far as I'm concerned. I mean, otherwise you just go mad. Um, and you know, Oh, maybe he did find them in a bazaar <laughs> in, I don't know, California or something like that. But I mean, there's no reason to add in unnecessary complications as far as I'm concerned. Just because I can hear the people screaming at the MP3 players um, with mm. regards to the power screening. Uh, you, and obviously we can wait for the book to come out. Um, yes. But was it a technical screening? Was it a screening just to see what it was, you know, this is Power of the Daleks? Was it restored? Care to comment? Mm. Or shall we wait for the book? Why don't you wait for the book? Fair enough. <laughs> Fair had to ask, had to ask. Fans have been promised a full account of the search at some point. Paul mm. Venezes has mentioned a couple of times in the last five years that <laughs> he would release something. Yeah. Uh, your book is obviously uh, an examination of that. But, I mean, do you know any idea when there'll be a final reckoning in terms of... Because we've had the, the interview with DWM with Phil Morris, but very little else, obviously the Starburst interview. Mm. Is there any plans do, that you're aware of for a a doco or for an official book, an official recounting of what's going on? Uh, Look, the only thing I know is what Charles Daniels posted online, which was that supposedly uh, Phil's book was meant to come out uh, towards the end of last year, that being 2014. Mm. Uh, I have heard that there's a documentary. I mean, Phil's talked about this, that there's meant to be a documentary. Uh, I've even heard who's meant to be doing it. Um, yeah, so... Look, I'm, I'm sure that's all happening. Um, I don't know that they're really the, the blockers. Um, I'm quite confident that, you know, my book will be very different to Phil's book. I mean, you know, he's going to be talking about himself. He's going to be talking about his search, whereas my, my interest just... It spiralled out into a completely different direction. I'm very interested in, you know, Phil and his search, obviously, because that's where it all started. But um, it just... I started getting interested in all the little side alleys. Um, it started turning into this weird Thomas Pynchon novel. Like, I keep sort of saying to people, I'm not really interested in writing this book for um, 500 Doctor Who fans. Uh, I remember reading a book called uh, Longitude, which sounds like the most tedious book in the mm. entire world, uh, but I tore through the thing like pretty much overnight. 
uh, and it was you know about you know literally about longitude and you know it was the same when I read Black Hawk Down or when I read uh, Into Thin Air which is about climbing Everest like you know and it was about all the people who climbed Everest and who died but about a third of the way through I was like geez I'd really like to climb Everest it actually sounds really good you know it's about when you can take these esoteric topics and make them really interesting to a lay audience so I mean my 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 target audience for this is not actually people like us it's people like my mum so when you can say that I mean Phil's story is a remarkable story and the way our little subculture has reacted is kind of a microcosm for the way just the way modern media reacts to to news and the way it reacts to no news like this sort of weird Schrodinger's cat period we're going through where we we're pretty sure there's something going on but because people won't actually tell us what's going on we sort of start swallowing our own tail and going mental so i mean i just find all of that really interesting from a human point of view so it's not really about doctor who it's about people who are interested in doctor who and how that's applicable to you know the world at large can we blame the internet then on the way found? because i remember yeah. when, when when we all remember when tomb was found yeah the response was fairly sedate you know there was yeah. articles in dwm dwb mm. and people you know they watched it and they moved on that was fine it's not so, it's not mainstream news yeah but not now, really the, the series is, is big and the internet is mm. big mm. and as you say fandom tends to eat itself mm. with regards to how it handles that so is it just simply the, the way that the internet has connected all, all the fandom together and they're able to express their opinions in real time instead of waiting for an issue of DWM to come out, instead of waiting yeah. for an issue of DWB to come out? Yeah. Look, I think part of it's the democratisation of fandom. Like, there's a real... There's a real sort of... Like, I had, there's a, a, a real narrative on Planet Mondas. Like, they're always sort of talking about the Ubers... Uh, and the sock puppets. Yeah, and, and yeah. There's, uh, all of, all of this, there's this idea that uh, you know there are there are there are people who uh, are on top, and then there is everybody else who is not. And um, you know they're always really happy when they've got somebody to attack, whether it be another forum or whether it be uh, you know people who are working on the TV show or people who are hunting for missing episodes or something like that. And it's you know you know we're the underdogs and they're the overdogs and screw those guys. Um, and you're there going, well, it's kind of teenagery in a, in a silly kind of way. Um, I mean, that's not to sort of whitewash every, you know, rude or silly thing that, you know, uh, an Uber in inverted commas has ever done. Mm. But I mean, Paul Venezes. I would love to interview Paul, actually, and not really about his Doctor Who stuff. Um, like, I was just reading something else that he did, like the sheer amount of, of missing television that he's found that no one ever talks about. You know, the amount of Z cars that he's found mm. that no one ever talks about. Uh, and, like, just all of the, the work that he must put into it that he's not being paid for, so far as I know, but he's just doing it for the sake of culture, you know like nobody does that and it's the same with phil you know like we live in a world where you know generation y like they change their jobs like you know every two years Mm. this is a guy who's been 
doggedly following this quest for 10 years. Nobody does that anymore. Mm. And certainly not for pissy little black and white, you know, episodes that nobody much cares about apart from a few geeks like us. So, like, there is something... There's something noble about that. So when, you know, you get these sort of... This sort of snarky complaining about that, like, I find that kind of tiresome. So given given the way fandom... Um, I suppose we're coming to the end of the, the discussion. Given the way fandom um, has responded over the last, you know, three or so years, what response do you think or expect you'll get for the book once it comes out? Oh, brickbats. <laughs> what are you hoping? What are you hoping? I mean... As you say, it's it's more it's it, it's a look at fandom in a way. Look, I hope what I hope is, uh, I hope that like one of the things that I actually found disappointing was when like when Phil Morris did that um, Facebook Q and A, mm. uh, he said I'll answer twenty questions, and people are like, why do we need twenty questions? We only need one. What have you got? <laughs> Yeah. And maybe two. When are you giving them back? Yeah. And I thought, boy, is that kind of small-minded because I was like, like I was saying, you know, he's been looking for 10 years. Like, and I think they actually did use my question. I was, I was a bit chuffed about that. Um, you know, how have you changed over 10 years? Like searching around Africa in godforsaken places where, mm. you know, people are hideously poor and, you know, uh, you know, it, it, it's got to change a guy. I mean, the kidnapping's got to change a guy. The search mm. has got to change a guy. And being successful has got to change a man. I'm really interested in that story. Um, and look, I hope that's going to be part of his book. If it's not, I really want to tell that story as well. Um, I'm really... And like just... Uh, like I have talked to people... Like just in... In, in telling this story, just getting to know the various people behind the computer screens, just getting to know the human beings. Like, that's the thing. Like, we, we get very obsessed with what's been found and where and when it's coming out. And we kind of wonder a little bit why it's not coming out now. But when we're, we, we're not really terribly interested in the, in the people. Um, I mean, we're kind of interested in the salacious, gossipy stuff. Um, but I'm interested in, you know, in the people. I'm interested in the, uh, you know, what's motivating them, what's driving them. And also, you know, when they, when they do fail, I'm interested in, in not uh, in beating up on them. I'm interested in understanding why. Um, and, I mean, some of them, like there are, there are elements of this that are unfortunate. There's no two ways about it. And there are, you know, there have been screw-ups uh, and like I said before, mostly it's cock up rather than conspiracy. But there, you know, there is stuff, you know, from fans and also from professionals where I'm just there going, "Look, I really don't think you should have done that." Mm. But I don't think it really serves anybody terribly much. You know, my, my watchword throughout all of this is, you know, this is not Watergate. You know, it's not, <laughs> it's it's not worth anybody losing their job over. Mm. Um, I'm just interested in in telling that kind of human story. Um, so I would hope that when fans read this, they would sort of go, huh, I didn't know that about X, or I had no idea that when I was reading that about Y, Y was going through this, or, you know, 
so-and-so has this particular condition which means that when he posts that's why he posts in that way or you know the reason for this particular delay was that and, oh now I understand why that was going on or you know when you think about how the internet sort of changes the way people interact with each other they go actually yeah when I talk to somebody online I do that too so I'm interested in all of that so that's the some of the stuff I mean you know I'll get into all the you know the the greasy gossip about you know hopefully what was found and where it was found and all that sort of sort of stuff but you know Richard Molesworth will probably do all of that I'm sure and you know, I don't want to I'm not really that interested in that book I mean it's an element mm. but it's the it's the people that are interested yeah. Before the announcement, Marco Polo was linked with Enemy and Web, and then it sort of dropped from the rumour scape. Uh, <laughs> the rumour scape? I, I just made that word up. That's a good one. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, you can use that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That'll be the subtitle for the book. Rumour scape. Yeah. Yeah. shambles. Yeah. 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 Um, was, it, was it wishful thinking, or was it possible actually something happened to Marco Polo, or was it withdrawn, do you think, or uh, is it actually back? <laughs> well, that's an answer. That's a question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, probably the best answer I can give you is that uh, I've been talking about my chapter on Marco Polo. It'll be Choose Your Own Adventure. <laughs> Written by uh, Pip and Jane Baker. Yeah, well, possibly, yeah. The, yeah. the Rani will be there and there'll be lots of anagrams and sentences, very short sentences Bobby. ending in exclamation marks and, and stuff like that. Buffeting. Yeah, look, I... <laughs> yeah, tumultuous buffeting. Uh, I don't know for sure what mm. happened I have some pretty good theories and I mean this is the thing again you sort of think about what's the most likely thing based on what human beings are like mm. and I'm there going well that makes a lot of sense to me um, but I don't know for sure so I can't really comment Web of Fear Part 3 is that oh god who, who <laughs> <laughs> the phenomenon of the source king you mentioned Scott Ferry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a fellow, Mark uh, Robertson, I think his last name was. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Pookie. Yeah. 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 Um, what is that? I mean, the phenomenon of the Source King, their rise, their fall, their treatment. What mm. does that say to you about fans and fandom? Um, if anything. Look, partly it's that people will. I remember when the Facebook group started, people like somebody posted, "Is Pookie here?" You know, because they wanted him to be there because he was telling them, you know, what they wanted to hear. Mm. Um, and Mark's always been very upfront about, you know, he's saying, look, a lot of what I tell you will probably turn out not to be true. Um, and he talks to a lot of people and he's aware that, you know, some of what they're saying might not be true. Um, but, you know, I've, I've talked to Mark you know, he's a, he's a lovely guy. Uh, he's not a bullshitter. Uh, he's not a hoaxer. He's, uh, I mean, I actually, this is one of the things that I was, that I'm interested in is why did they start doing this in the first place? Mm. Um, I mean, they're not doing it just to, you know, fuck up Phil Morris's day or annoy Paul Venezes. Now, as to their fall... If they have four. Well, I mean, yeah, this is the thing. I mean, somebody put it fairly well. They said, look, a lot of this is like in Scotland, they have uh, three 
three verdicts at the end of a, of a legal case. There's guilty, there's not guilty, and there's not proven. Uh, a lot of the things that they've said, I think, is uh, not proven. Mm. So they're going, look, was Marco Polo ready to go at the end of 2013? Was it supposedly imminent in November? Uh, was Dick Fitty uh, ready to uh, put some missing episodes out at a missing believed wiped in December? Uh, were they hoping that you know there would be some stuff to play at Days of Fear and Wonder the BFI sci-fi season uh, in 2014 or whenever it was? I would say that there was probably a strong possibility that, yeah, they were all hoping that that would happen. That doesn't mean that, you know, that those plans didn't change at the 11th hour or, mm. you know, whenever, uh, for a variety of different reasons. But because I'm not, you know, because I'm not Philip Morris or I'm not Dick Fitty, I just don't know. So, and as we were talking about before, you know, the, these these plans can they, can, they can just change at the last minute. So what's... Mark was passing on in good faith, uh, you know, it can blow up in his face and he can look like an absolute prick. Mm. So, you know, uh, or there were there was talk of, uh, you know, they were going to release a season one box set of all of the, uh, the Hartnell stuff. You know, apparently to entertain or BBC Worldwide thought, you know, this is a great idea. Uh, whereas some other people are like, look, you really are milking the fans there. And particularly if you release the season two box set, you know, the only thing fans would be getting that for, if you know they're completists, they're only going to get two episodes of the Crusade. Mm. So, you know, there was like there was literally a struggle there. So somebody could, again, in good faith, pass on the news: "Hey, they're thinking about releasing season box sets." So that news could get out there, and then that news could then get kiboshed because somebody, you know, won the political battle behind the scenes, saying, "No, look, that's just taking the piss." So. You know, somebody could then, you know, go up to Mark and go, what about that bloody season box set you promised us? Yeah, that never happened. And he will go, well, you know, it was on the blocks. Mm. It's like saying, you know, if I told you back in, you know, 1992, oh, look, lost in the dark dimension. It's a thing. It's going to happen. And you could come up to me now <laughs> and say, lost in the dark dimension. You're a lying prick. It never happened. And it's like, well, look, it was definitely planned. It's a script. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ian Levine's animated it, you know. Mm. It's terrific. Did it? <laughs> it was on YouTube, I think. Oh, that's right. He had that YouTube thing, didn't he? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Do you yeah. want to talk about Underwater Menace? or Can you talk about Underwater Menace? Well, that's the question. Uh, yeah, some sure. people have been claiming that the delay for Underwater Menace is down to the possibility of more episodes being found, or it's just down to commercial reasons that you know no one at BBC Worldwide is really interested. Did I say BBC Worldwide? To entertain? To entertain. To entertain. Is interested in, you know, releasing something like that. Any thoughts? I do know that um, Planet 55 aren't doing it um, because I'm talking to Gary Russell just about the animation stuff. Uh, I mean, again, that was another one. I mean, there was another sort of... You asked me before about certain myths mm. uh, that I managed to... Uh, Debunk. Yeah, stake yeah. through the heart. And he said, look, uh, Moonbase, it was it was always going to happen. Mm. Um, it was always going to, um, you know, you know, it never slipped off the schedule. It was more uh, a case of uh, somebody in the BBC thinking, oh, it should happen at this particular time. And they were going, no, no, it's, it's going to take this long. It takes longer to do two episodes of this than it does to do one episode of The Tenth Planet. So, mm. uh, but no. 
the underwater menace. It's not happening from Planet 55. That's about the only exclusive I can give you there. And mm. as far as I know, mm. uh, I know about as much as you guys uh, in terms of why it's not happened yet. But, I mean, it's... They really are taking the piss on that one, aren't they? I mean, it's been, mm. a, <laughs> it's yeah. been a long time and it's been leaked online and you're there going, what, what's going on, guys? I mean, you know. But, I mean... I mean, look, I talked to another mate of mine. I mean, you guys know him. I won't name him. But he's there going, they would have started doing season box sets by now. Like, you know, they've already put out season 24 for some reason in Germany. Um, why haven't we started getting season box sets? I mean, what are they doing with the old classic brand? It does mm. seem that it's in this sort of weird stasis. Hiatus, I think the word is. Like hiatus. In the old days, isn't it? Yeah, hiatus. yeah. Maybe that's down to the famous German efficiency. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. But I mean, you know, and people are there going, oh, you know, it's just, we don't do season box sets. And I'm like, well, we've already had, you know, Care to Time and we've already had, you know, season 23 and mm. season 24. So, I mean, we've got the quality ones out of the way. So, uh, why don't we now move on to, I mean, Season 12, season 13, season 14. I mean, they're the logical ones to start with. Yeah. Um, why don't we... Why haven't they done that? It does seem very odd that the range seems... The classic range seems to be in limbo at the moment. So it may, it may be that Underwater Menace, you know, we sort of focus on it because it's, you know, the last black and white one. Why haven't we got it yet? Um, it may be just that it's, um, you know, it's hooked up in the rest of the classic range. So Dave, is the Omni Rumor the biggest case of Chinese whispers ever to grip fandom? <laughs> uh, oh, look, it'd have to go... Like, it just sucks in so many different cases of... Like, just so many different stories and side alleys, it'd probably go close. I mean, look, the Tenth Planet 4 has definitely uh, got its... Like, for one episode... Mm. It's definitely got a lot of stuff uh, accreted to it over the years. But, yeah, look, I'd say so. But, I mean, look, like I said before, it's we're, we're in this state of not proven. So when Web and Enemy came out, you're there going, well, and, and you look back at the various rumours and you're going, well, a lot of that was pretty much bang on. Mm. Um it was a fella who went to Africa and found X amount of episodes and, you know, he does keep hinting that he's got more um, and, you know, I, you know, it's, that's the thing. If you're going to perpetrate a hoax, it's a bloody weird hoax to perpetrate. All right, I'm going to go out and find some episodes and then, just to fuck with people... I'm going to then tell them that I've got shitloads more, mm. you know, and I'm also going to go out and for some reason find some episodes of the sky at night that nobody particularly cares about. Mm. And I'm going to, you know, and uh, a dodgy episode of uh, Morecambe and Wise. It's a very, very odd hoax. Having said that, uh, <laughs> a mate of mine said, look, like he actually pitched it to uh, a production company, like just to do a documentary on it. And he said, the great thing about this story is that uh, it's either Indiana Jones with nerds or selling Hitler with nerds. <laughs> either way, it's a terrific story. Yeah. And I said, you know what, you're absolutely right. So, you know, either way, I win. Um, 
and that's pretty much the attitude that I'm taking, you know. So, and as people are constantly trying to remind, you know, other people online, look, you've got Enemy of the World on your DVD shelf. You've got, and it's terrific too. That's the other thing too, like just watching it. And I was just so pleased to see that because nobody rated Enemy of the World yeah. beforehand. And you're there going, this is amazing. This is such a good story. And mm. it's just really nice when you get a surprise like that. Like when Web of Fear came back, you know, it, w- it was good. But everybody expected it to be mm. in a way. Um, but when you get a nice surprise like that, that's really, really great. Um, and that's something that if anything comes out of that, you know, you would hope that that would be one of the, you know, the, the terrific lessons to be taken from this, that, you know, sometimes you can get really nice surprises. Mm. And on that positive note, I think we should wrap it up, Mark. Yes. Uh, Dave, thank you very much for having us today. Thanks for putting up with me talking. That's <laughs> all right. That's okay. Now, your book, um, tell us a bit about who the publisher is. Uh, the publisher is Obverse Books. I would urge people to go out and buy plenty of their books because uh, they publish a lot of really good ones. You can get Faction Paradox books. Uh, you can get Iris Wildtime books. You can get, uh, there's also, they also publish uh, a lot of Paul Mars's books. Uh, you can go and find their stuff at obversebooks.co.uk. And uh, the name of your book, Paul Berry? The name of the book is called Chasing Shadows, uh, which describes a lot of what we've been doing for the last couple of years, but also describes to some extent what Phil was doing for 10 years. Mm. Uh, and the first chapter of the book is going to be published in the British Fantasy Society's journal. Uh, it's basically the prologue, and uh, it's well, you'll be able to read it from there if you really want to buy it. So go out and buy the British Fantasy Society's journal. They'll all love it if a whole bunch of Doctor Who geeks suddenly spikes their readership for one issue. And uh, coming soon. Coming soon. Dave, thanks very much for having us. Thanks for having me. And there you have it, an interview with the first person to take an in-depth look into the Omni-Rema. We hope to have Dave back on when the book is released, and in the interim, for the love of God, Phil, just release the damn episodes. As Rob mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, we have another Omni-Rema-related gem for you. Long-time listener David Kitchen handed over to us a cassette tape containing an interview with Professor Zaroff himself, Joseph First. This is a two-minute fragment of a uh, longer interview that went for about 20-25 minutes that was conducted with Mr. First in the 1990s. And Rob and I have created our own recovery and restoration company, IKEA, where we will scour the eastern suburbs of Melbourne looking for this longer interview. So let's fire up the Ouija board and take it away, Joseph, an unknown interviewer. Unfortunately, your your um your death scene, for want of a better word, is one of the ones that's been lost. Oh, that's a shame because uh, I suffered <laughs> very badly in it because they had a, a small swimming pool in the inside the studio. Water was uh, sort of temperate, but if you uh, spend you know half an hour to an hour in it, and uh, you know, the sequences had to be reversed. Uh, you know, you came out and you were wet. And when you uh, had a uh, cut in between, you had to reverse it the other way around. So I spent uh, 
And that's your Omni Room a lot. We, again, we'd like to thank Dave Hoskins for taking time out of his busy schedule to talk to Rob and myself. And until next time, I've been Mark. And I've been Rob. And we'll speak again soon. You've just listened to another episode of 42 to Doomsday, the podcast that loves talking about Doctor Who. We'd love to hear from our listeners. Please drop us a line at 42 to Doomsday at gmail.com. We can be reached at facebook.com forward slash 42 to Doomsday. If brevity is your game, we can be found on Twitter at 42 to Doomsday. Please check out our blog, 42 to Doomsday.wordpress.com, where Mark and I occasionally have something interesting to say. Aside from iTunes, you can listen to us via Stitcher and Player FM. If you enjoyed listening to us, leave a review on iTunes. As always, thank you for listening. Have a great week. We'll speak with you again soon.